You are listening to the Clonmel Junction Arts Festival podcast, which takes place from the 3rd to the 11th of July. Hello, I'm Fergal O'Keefe and you're very welcome to the Junction Festival podcast. I'm delighted to say that the programme is now live and you can get all details on the junctionfestival.com website. And what a great programme it is. And we'll be going through that programme in detail over the coming weeks, starting with music next week, including acts like Roy Seven, Gavin Glass, Jerry Fish, Mick Flannery. We'll be going through all that next week. And today we'll be talking to Kleena Marr about the festival launch. And we'll also be talking to David Teven about festival memories over the last 20 years and this, its 20th anniversary. First of all, congratulations. The programme must feel great. The programme is out live on the website. <laughs> yes. And it's, it's brilliant. Fantastic. It's, yeah. Um, oh, no, it's really, really great. And it's, it's, and it's great. So it's oh. on the website. Everything, it's very straightforward. To, so it's, yeah. it's on junctionfestival.com and everything is on that. So it's brilliant. I mean, you're really, you've covered everything. I look at like music, theatre, literature, visual arts, outdoor, the dome, talks, workshops. Sure, we've got, we've, we, we have a lot going on. Yeah. Um, it's, I think, especially since it's the 20th anniversary, you know, you don't want to drop an art form. You don't want to say, oh, this is not the year for X. I think it's, you know, it's, um, we wanted to sort of pay tribute to or serve the audiences in all the art forms. Like last year, we very much just touched base with theatre. We had a couple of filmed pieces. So this year we wanted to have a couple of really fantastic theatre pieces, um, and which we do. Exactly. <laughs> um, and I'm excited about that. And then I just, I'm really excited about um, the music. I think the, I'm really looking forward to all the We Can Be Heroes concerts. I, I think it's just a great set. It's five concerts. They're fantastic. Mm. Um, and then the the rare Clon Mel concerts, the classical music concerts, they're kind of mm. classical trad crossovers that Eamon Sweeney put together. They're really nice. The Collins Hall show, it's a, a show that's been put together by director Jack Reardon and uh, the Pearly Whites sax player, James O'Donovan. Um, and it's basically kind of recreating the music and the memories of Mick Dell and that whole big band dance hall period. So it's just a little little taste of the sort of the 50s, 60s in Clonmel. And you know what I think, I, when I, that one jumped out for me, actually, because that's all ages, because I've never seen that. So I'm really looking forward to it because that was the rock and roll of its day. So. Oh, yeah. And it's it's really interesting. You know, we've, we've got um, on kind of the first event, uh, I suppose, event event of the festival is we're going to have a theatre symposium with Paul Halferty, who lectures in drama in UCD. And he's originally he's from Canada, um, but his parents were from Derry. And he was telling me his dad was actually a big band player. In Derry back in that period and he pointed out and it's interesting I've read this in a number of places that it was it was non-sectarian it was non it was very it was a very open because it wasn't as sort of politicized as something like certain genres of music it was American so everybody could join in um, country people town people you know no matter what your background and I think that was part of the fun thing of it yeah. um, and with Mick Delahunty you know so such a Clamel connection isn't there oh god yeah 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 and you know it's it is sort of also it's bouncing off the the Tipperary Museum of Hidden History had that great project this year and last year where they they found they had found as part of the renovation of the museum they found these like late 40s recordings of Mick Dell and just oh they were amazing 
I mean, this was probably recorded on one mic and the sound is so balanced. They were such a tight, and you kind of go, now I understand what all the fuss was about. This is why they were huge. And tell us, so the programme, so it's up So we won't have a whole orchestra though. (laughs) We'll have a quintet. We'll have a quintet of like really talented players. uh, And we have two actors. And so... And it's a bit of a movable feast at the moment, just for people to wear. So look at the website. Some things are they're going to be on. We just don't know exactly. Yeah. And also to make the point that everything on the website at the moment, what you're booking a ticket to is the online version. So everything will be live streamed. Hopefully we'll have live audiences. Hopefully the announcement that we can, can have audiences uh, in July will actually continue to be true. But we're, we don't trust it enough to actually sell tickets for it yet. And but I think it's something where I think both experiences will be special, you know. Exactly. Um, I mean, I'm I'm picturing myself sort of sitting in front of, a, you know, a large TV <laughs> with my gin and tonic in hand watching something on the on the live stream. Uh, exactly. And the dome yeah. will be up and um, that will be up. And-, that and, there are, and and of course, there. I mean, there are a lot of things that are not in the dome. There's a lot of things that aren't theatre and music. You know, we've been speaking mostly about those, but there are a lot of visual arts trails and audio trails. And we can kind of go into those a little bit more in more detail. But we have I think if you come into Clonmel, whether or not the door, the dome is open, you'll have lots to do. Exactly. And I can, I'd like to mention my own personal involvement this year because I'm doing as part of the Travel Tales for Fergal podcast and the Camel Junction Festival podcast. It, there's, we're doing our very, my very first live with the yeah. Louise Nealon, who is an amazing interviewee. So I can't wait for that. And that's on the 6th. That's a lunchtime That's one and the sixth. We did the sixth, yeah, it'll be and great. I, mean, I think it's, it's, I mean, we, we have, we've done live recordings of podcasts before and they've been really popular, you know. Um, I mean, I think we all love that interview format and it's just great to be in the room with the person. Exactly. So I can't wait for that. And as I said, the other, you know, that trail, the audio trail, that is coming back. Claudia, that she mentioned that in the podcast last week, actually. Yeah, so one we had, I mean, highlights. I think one of, one of the, I suppose one of the things that's uh, funny about this is we were, talking about kind of some of the 20th anniversary stuff we were reaching out to people and through that um the we started a conversation with the australian company who came over in 2014 and 2015 one step at a time like this um and they sort of suggested they said oh you know we, we did a trail in 2014 and maybe you could redo it and i started talking to Aoife delaney reed and rian condon to the kind of they had been the junction joes back in the day and you know it still exists some of the places have changed and are different. So I think it's going to be slightly different. But, um, you know, yeah, we're going to recreate this piece from 2014. Yeah, no, I, I am very much looking forward to that. I did the original one and it's worth, I do it again. It's worth doing. Yeah. So, and then another really mm-hmm. special audio installation is the Cake and Barracks project so it's overlook and it's it, it was to i suppose it has its basis in the fact that we were to do a play last year set in the officer's mess of the kick of cake and barracks which obviously for obvious reasons didn't happen but we're going to be doing an audio installation that sort of takes that as its starting point and sort of celebrates i suppose almost 100 years of kick and barracks um it kind of handed over to the state in 1922 and became Kickham Barracks. I think before that it was Victoria Barracks. Um, so we're kind of celebrating a hundred years of that and people, you know, I think that'll be a very popular one. And then the final audio trail is with Billy O'Reardon and John Fitzgerald. Um, and we will talk more about that anon because uh, yeah. that's one that definitely deserves going into detail on. All we want to do today is just really to give people a little flavour for the festival. If you want to give us the dates again, very important for people. Yes. So the dates are the 3rd to the 11th of July. 
So everything's on the website. So check out the website. And over the next few weeks, we'll give you more details about what's coming up throughout the festival. One little thing, there's, there's one little thing, Feral, that people could get involved with in advance if they want to. There's a, a project that we have with the Arts Centre and an artist called Sean Taylor, who is a lecturer in Limerick School of Art and Design, and he's recently moved to Clonmel. Um, and there's a project we're working on called the Clonmel Community Manifesto. So Sean is looking for people to, I suppose, give some feedback. What, what, have, what has Clonmel learned? What are we going to take forward? What would be interesting from the last year uh, put on a manifesto over the last year um yeah so basically the idea is that uh sean is going to work with everybody in clonmel he's gotten a lot of suggestions already but the idea is people can put in a point um to the manifesto just sort of inspired by the stories and the events that have happened over the last 12 months during the covid 19 pandemic it might be something that's not related to the pandemic but it probably will be um and then the idea that, you know, we kind of, we all share what we've learned from this new normal. And then that's going to be sort of moved around Clonmel on a, a mobile billboard during the festival. Um, to sort of say, that, you know, this is what we think, this is what we in Clonmel think of the the entire, uh, yes, experience that we've had over the last year. How do, how do people send that in? Do they email it or what? So people can just, I mean, they can just email their points to mm-hmm. the, Clonmel Community Manifesto Project at clonmelmanifesto at gmail.com. Excellent. That's so, and again, there's details about that on our website as well. Perfect. And I, and I keep saying, but everything's on the website now. So make sure yeah. you have or a Go to the website and you'll and find what you're looking for, hopefully exactly. easily. <laughs> and start picking And I just want to give a shout out to Sarah Lowe from White Setter Design, who, hmm. is, who designed our website, and also Sandra Hennessy from Be Dynamic in Cashel, who worked with us on the website as well. Okay, next we're going to hear some festival memories from festival founder David Teven. And before that, we're just going to hear a little bit from Tipperary Tourism. Jammed restaurants, packed beaches and queues for queues. No thanks. Isn't the point of a getaway to, you know, get away? So here's the inside tip. With the Golden Vale, incredible hiking, two blueways and gorgeous lakeside villages, Tipperary has it all. Visit the Mitchellstown Caves, walk the Knockmeal Downs or explore the Butler Trail. Take it easy while uncovering ancient castles and hidden secrets. Tipperary is unspoilt and waiting for you. Visit tipperary.com. Supported by the Tipperary LCDC Under the Leader Programme. So the idea is looking back on 20 years of the festival. And if there's someone that has more memories than anybody, it is you. Would you agree with that? I have a lot, Fergal, but I (laughs) I think there are other people... I mean, there are other people who were also there throughout that time. Um, uh, but but certainly, yes, I do. Well, year one, uh, Bess, Bess and Trevor and Teresa and me uh, would have been there from the beginning. Damien Martin was there for a long time. Yep. I mean, just as in terms of people who stretched that full length, I'd say, I'd say those were the four people that um, hmm. probably saw all of them. Did you think that we would be celebrating a 20th anniversary? I mean, it's long, 20 years. It's amazing. Still going strong. Yeah. Um, uh, well, I had no doubts that when I left, it would continue. I mean, I think that was a very tricky transition. I think any arts organization, when an arts organization, um, when the founder member loses, leaves an arts organization, there is often a collapse. 
there are a lot of there are very there are less examples of successful transitions. So uh, I was aware that that was very tricky, and and because it's a big onus on the board of directors to take on responsibilities that the founder member would have always carried. Um, because a new artistic director coming in is not going to have the same relationship. And uh, so I, I, I owe a lot. I mean, I think the town owes a lot to the boards under Ashling that kind of saw through that transition. Um, uh, so, yeah, I mean, you know, it's an institution. It's recognized nationally uh, as one of the mid-scale festivals. Um, so allowing for the voluntary input of the board of directors, and that's so key in this equation. Without that, it doesn't exist. Um, and yet it's such a generous and uh, uh, thing that the people who, who carry the festival in that voluntary capacity as directors do a huge service to the town. She, um, You know that Cleana was working with, Gallo, with Teresa and I in Galloglass when we started Junction Festival. Yeah. yeah. So Cleana, we were good friends with the Maher family, and Cleana worked she directed a show for Galaglass and then she came back as the outreach officer so she was there in 2001 when we set up the festival she was sitting in the office with Teresa and I on Parnell Street when we came up with the name for Junction Festival because the idea was we were talking about dancing at the crossroads you know the Eamon de Valera kind of idea because um, we were talking about we wanted a, 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 a space or a place where people would encounter each other and um and uh, so the idea of dancing at the crossroads, and then we thought of well, you know, in the age of the superhighway, uh, the the junction, it's not a crossroads anymore; it's a junction, and that's where Junction Festival came from. Was that that conversation with Cleana and Teresa uh, and myself? And that very first festival was it very much an arts festival? Was it everything at the time? I was around for the second one. I wasn't around for the first one. What was that first one? Um, it was, no, it was, it because at the time, uh, I was the manager of the Gallagher's Theatre Company. Teresa Gutelbauer, my partner, was the artistic director. And we had run a summer school every summer uh, in the first week in July uh, for kids, a drama summer school. And we had done it for eight or ten years. We were starting to be tired of it, and uh, I guess we were. It, it, it needed to be changed a little bit. It needed to be given a a, a, a bit of oomph. Um, around the same time, I met Don Kelly, the actor and um, writer. We went to Phil Carroll's bar, Don and myself, and we had a couple of pints. And he was saying, "Listen, you have a lovely small theatre up there in the parochial hall, and I'm going to be touring Back the Father, Rabbit the Son." Would you would you um, would you put it on there because I think it'd be much nicer for my work than the Regal, which was immense. It was this eight hundred seat theatre. Um, so I said yes, but I asked him, would he also do Catalpa, which was the other show he used to do, which was a fabulous, fabulous show. Um, and and he said, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I said, well, we could do one one day and one the next day because we had to put up the seating and the lighting and all that kind of thing. And around the same time, so we we agreed to do that. And this was just putting on two shows. Um, and then a friend of ours, Liam Halligan, had done another show called Cracked, which was a show about the Magdalene Laundries, which I loved. And um, uh, he heard that we were putting on Donald's show and asked, could, would we put, could he put his show on as well? So suddenly we had three shows. So that was a Thursday, Friday and a Saturday. And in... Uh, 
in those days when we had an opening night with the Gallaglass Theatre in the parochial hall, we used to do go over to Lonigan's afterwards and we'd have a bit of a session on the opening night. So being that we were having three shows, we thought that they were going to be all opening nights. We'd have three sessions each night. And sure, before we knew it, we had a fourth show because Theresa went to Dublin and saw this show, Mary Mary's Last Dance, which was by um, Puka Puppets, and said that it was absolutely fabulous and we had to have it. So suddenly we had a festival and it was around that time we had the conversation with Cleona and we said, OK, well, let's call it the Junction Festival. Um, and and we had a comic uh, on the first night, I think, on the Monday or the Tuesday night, Mary Mary's Last Dance. Then So we had so we had five nights in the theatre and we put on a gig in the ballroom of Hearns Hotel with a mad bunch of drummers from Galway and a saxophone player. Uh, which gave us our sort of festival moment of abandon. Um, and that was the first festival. And I was thinking about it today. Um, uh, and what was extraordinary about it was we had put on shows before with Galaglass over a week, but this was different. There was something different about this. We had put the name festival on it and um, uh, people came to, same similar people came to different shows. So we probably sold all our tickets we sold all the tickets for all the shows, but we probably sold them to 150 people because people were coming to two, three shows. And as the week wore on, people kept start saying to us, oh, you'll have to do this next year. So by the end of the week, we realized that we'd actually started something that had a future because there was such a demand. And I have this lovely memory of the very first, we actually ended up doing Catalpa, not in the theater, but in Otuma's Cafe, which was, um, uh, I, I think there's a cafe still there now. I can't, don't know its name, but opposite to what was a Super Queen at the time. And um, uh, when we were, when the show was over, half of the audience lingered around and helped Donald carry the set to his car. So there was this really extraordinary sense of um, of uh, of creating something different. Um, that I didn't understand at the time, but I think is so intimately associated with festival. And it's something that, that um, yes, as I say, I've learned over time that festival is more than just the show. It is, it's, it's, it's what happens in between the shows. So it, 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 it is this complicity between the actors, the performers, um, and the organizers, and the, the, the publicans and the cafes, and also um, uh, the public. And it's something that's very special, that it comes around each year uh, and people start to expect to it. Um, uh, so I think that was that was how it began. I mean, the, in the first four years, it doubled in size each year. Such was the the such was the the demand in the town. I mean, at that time, Kilkenny used to have festivals every second weekend. Uh, they, they probably still do in the normal <laughs> run of things. And Clomel had no festivals. So this was this was but there was a real uh, yearning there to have our own festival and um so it, it i mean looking at the accounts the, the the turnover doubled each year for the first 4 or 5 years and then it continued to grow until about 2006 2007 um the second year we introduced um we decided we wanted to go outside of just theater so we introduced music and um uh, the biggest band at the time was a band called the Revs. They were just selling out the door and we put on a, we booked them for the Monday and they sold out. So we put on an afternoon gig and it sold out. And on the Tuesday night, I, I was brought down to uh, Waterford by um, a friend of mine, Pat Fleming, 
who his daughter wanted to see this gig. So I went along with him and it was an up and coming singer songwriter called Damien Rice. And it was in a basement in a pub in Waterford and it was packed and he's fab. He was fab. I can tell you that. <laughs> um, uh, so we booked him for the festival and uh, I picked him up. So uh, by the time he came to Clonmel, his, um, his uh, CDO had gone to number one and he was, you know, he was starting to be pretty famous. Um, and so that was, that was lovely. Um, uh, so the big star of the 2002 festival were the Revs. Little did we know that the real big star was the next day. It was it was Damien. So, um, you know, I mean, you you asked me about the memories I have. You know, to pick out two or three, and and I do have one memory I want to talk about. But kind of looking through the years, I mean, um, uh, we had a band from Denmark that are uh, from Holland, the the world band. One year, I think around two thousand three, two thousand four who ended up uh, dancing on the tables in Otuma's Cafe. And uh, just, you know, this this riotous moment of abandon that that uh, with these extraordinary musicians that I really remember. Um, and uh, there was a lovely concert uh, or gig. There was a, 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 an artist called Foy Vance, beautiful singer-songwriter, um, who we brought down. And we sold four tickets. Four tickets. And he, he was due to start Olympia. at, so we sold four tickets. And but that night we had probably we had the stunning or the Dubliners playing up in uh, Irish Town in 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 Devans in Irish Town, and the Foyvans gig was due to start at nine o'clock. And he went on stage, at, you know, at half nine, and at by ten o'clock, quarter past ten, he was playing to eight or ten people. We had actually opened the doors. We said which were grand. We know to let people in. There were eight or ten people in the bar, and um, but then the gig in Irish Town finished, and people started coming down from Irish Town. And just as Foy Vance was due to finish, he the pub started filling up. So suddenly he had one hundred and fifty people in Lonigan's bar. And being a performer, true to form, he kind of kicked in and did a fantastic gig. And it ended with him getting the crowd to sing the, 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 the harmony of the, the, the chorus of the song he was singing. And slowly he dismantled, put down his guitar and he went and he sat among the audience. And there was this wonderful moment with everybody in the bar singing this song. And a cat walked across the stage. The 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 the, the, the Lonigan cat walked across the stage. I remember it so clearly. But it was this moment again of this mixing of of what happens in a festival where we, the audience and the artists, were mixed together. We we became one in this lovely moment. Um that that is difficult to replicate outside of a festival context. Um, um so we also I mean 2006 was probably my favorite year. It was the the, the the year we had the Snowford State Circus, um, a phenomenal event. We hadn't seen the like of it then since <laughs> before or since. Um, and they brought such energy to the town. You know, they went around town on their in their bicycles and their mad hair, and they had a wonderful band with them, uh, which I think uh, we played a very memorable gig, uh, on an un, unscheduled gig at 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 uh, on the Thursday night in 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 Hearns. Um, but but so that was fabulous, and I remember we had taken a big risk on that cir circus. We reckoned we'd sell seventy percent of the tickets, and we'd have to subsidise it um, 
I think, if I remember correctly, the figure, we reckoned it was still going to cost us 15,000 euro, which was a lot of money for this organization of that size. We sold 96% of tickets and covered the short, uh, the expected shortfall. So it was it was phenomenal. But that year, we also had the most beautiful uh, duet up in Manila of Odetta and Liam Clancy. I mean, mm-hmm. again, something bespoke wasn't something that happened ever, ever anywhere else, ever in the world. And all of these uh, um, audiences came to. I mean, most of the audience, I think, came to see Liam Clancy. A few real hardcore, you know, folky, folky. Uh, blues lovers would have known Odetta and Coma, but most people came for Liam. And Liam did a beautiful show where he did the first half and he introduced Odetta by talking about the stories of the village in, in Greenwich Village. And then he introduced Odetta. And she just did this most beautiful, I mean, she's a fabulous, fabulous, soulful singer. Um, and she sang, and at the end, Liam came up and he they did Blowing in the Wind, which was the connection with Bob Dylan. And then they sang uh, the Sally Gardens, I think. They did, I think they did three songs. But And then Liam Clancy, in, a, I think, a moment of real... Uh, uh, I think it was just a very beautiful moment because Liam said to the audience, said, you know, with a bit of luck now, you'll all get to see me again, but it's unlikely you're going to see this lady. So I'm going to leave the last moment to her and he stepped out of the limelight. And for an artist, <laughs> this is, this is you know, to give the last moment to this beautiful lady. And she sang uh, The House of the Rising Sun unaccompanied. The, the memories, Fergal, they will flow. They will flow. But I did want to talk about one moment. And it's to go back to that idea of, of the, that festive moment when that time out of time when... when what festivals do is they they create this moment in the, the the everyday where you can see your town differently, see your neighbors differently. And there was, you might remember that um, Teresa Gushabar, my partner who worked with me on the festival as the participation director, set up the Cafés Carte Blanche, which was where during the recession from 2008-2009 onwards there were lots of vacant premises around Clomel which Teresa uh, um, wanted to um, to to reuse to utilise to bring life into them to bring life into the town and so with the you know kindness of the proprietors we were given access to different spaces and we got artists to decorate them so in the third year of this program, which was 2011, there was this extraordinary moment on a Saturday afternoon uh, when the town was buzzing. It was a lovely sunny day. And, and I was in one of these cafes. It was the Sound Lab, which was the local artist, Morris Caplice. And there was a local singer-songwriter in there, or a, a, a singer, a, a lad with his guitar from the old bridge. I can't remember his name, but he was trying to record a reggae song. And Zika Bilo, which were this fabulous band that uh, uh, had been were in residence. They were from France. Um, they played Eastern European music. They kind of wandered in with their instruments. So while this lad was starting his tune, suddenly there was a clarinet playing in the background, and then the 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 the, the French horn joined in, and then the percussionist started playing, and you had this wonderful moment of spontaneity, 
uh, uh, the, 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 which was being recorded by this young um, uh, Michael Kuhn Carroll's son, who was one of the trainees, and it just was absolutely magical. And you could see on the the the, the, the singer who who was completely unexpected um, was just delighted, uh, and it ended up with him and the French guy rapping. Um, so while that was happening, just down the road uh, b- below um, on, on um, Sarsfield Street, Lynn Mather had, had the River Shore Cafe and she had invited Michael Cody, the poet from Carrick, to come up and read some poetry about the river in his cafe. And he had actually come up by boat from Carrick. So he'd made this voyage up the boat up the river in, in, in a boat uh, and he'd come to the cafe and he was reading poetry <clears throat> to an absolutely packed small room. Uh, My friend Rachel was there and told me about it and just said it was just the most extraordinary, extraordinary moment. At the same time, Nolik Healy, who was the manager at the time, was down in the uh, Story House Cafe, which was down opposite where the Art Centre is um, uh, in in Nelson Street. And one of the young trainees, uh, a Polish girl, had brought her granny into um, the cafe uh, who was a Polish woman who spoke no English <clears throat> because she loved, because her granny was great at telling stories. So this room that had been renovated so beautifully by the trainees and the artists <clears throat> and had some couches was full of adults and families, uh, children sitting around listening to this Polish woman telling story, being translated by the young trainee. So at that one moment, you had these three largely unscheduled uh, moments of, of connection, of togetherness. Uh, th- I, I suppose things we'd be longing for now in our, in our absence of these moments. Um, and I think that's what, to me, where the real heart of any festival is, but certainly, you know, um, in my memories of Junction, the, the things I remember most and most fondly are the, the things that were very special, that were bespoke, that happened within the context of the town and the relationship between the audiences, the public, and uh, the venues, and the you know the the whole um, uh, network of people that make festivals possible. And you know, you, you're just talking there about um, you know community and everyone coming together so if we need it more than ever it's now isn't it you appreciate it or after the last year and yes i absolutely agree with you i think when when this time is over uh, i i think the arts have played a really important role during this time of covid in giving us you know when we're all watching tv that's the arts but also you know in terms of in, engaging with more more contemporary art art that is being available online um but I think when it's over as a, as a means to bring us together and, and help us to understand this time, but also to refresh us, to, to, to dance, I mean, to touch each other, to, to, to smell each other, <laughs> uh, will be a joy, will be a joy. Um, and, and I think festivals provide that. Um, and, and so let's, let's hope we're all um, dancing and uh, uh, transgressing uh, up, um, in 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 Clonmel at Junction for many years to come. You, you just reminded me of like always on the Mondays the festival. You know the Rhines would be doing trad and bakers, and usually 
there'd be some band from Africa that would come in and you'd watch to be a dance. You know, they'd slowly slide over and eventually they'd play songs individually. And by the end of the night, they were playing together and it was always magical, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, those, yes, that's the aftermath. I, I, I was seldom, that's, <laughs> maybe that was the one day I took off. I should have been you know, 64 days because usually the day after the festival, I didn't make it in. But, um, uh, but also that's part of festivals is hearing about what you missed. Um, uh, because, you know, the, you can't see everything. As I, as I talked about with the, the the three cafes and those little moments, they were all happening at the same time. It was not possible to experience them other than, you know, the way I experienced them from Rachel and Nulig telling me those stories and just realizing that, that you know, these, these things are happening. And many other, other things were happening at that moment and throughout the many festivals that obviously uh, it is a, it is a space that you can't control the everyday in modern society uh, is quite controlled. Um, And that's why festivals provide this important space of release um, uh, where, where you can let the hair down if you, if you have any still. (laughs) And and, um, uh, so so yes, I mean, along with the you know the those providing the very excellent um, art pieces, it's the it's putting them together and providing the spaces in between um, where people can encounter each other. Um, that is the totality of the festival, not just what the work we do. Um, and and there was also, I suppose, um, for those of who liked to stay up late. Um, there, there were a, a, a number of years in its heyday where uh, we had a wonderful festival club in the town yeah. hall bar, which which you will remember sure. very well, um, where my my good friend Rachel Rudman from America used to come over and, and play the tunes. And um, I think there was the, the 10th anniversary where where you uh, played a stormer with the gig that... Uh, uh, was was the tenth anniversary gig in the in the um, in O'Keeffe's um, and David Kitt was there and Paul Walsh and Gavin Glass and Lisa Hannigan, um, but I remember we had an African band playing in the club that night and I had this memory of looking across the room and uh, it's it's jumping up and down and in among them there was David Kitt who was a good six or eight inches taller than everybody else bopping up and down with them. So again, there's that mixing where the artist becomes part of the collective. Um, uh, and um, uh, yeah, it was just that kind of moment I realized, oh, okay. There might've even been people dancing on the seats at that stage, but I didn't there see was. them, Fergal, and neither did you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> David, and you know what? I just want to thank you because it wouldn't have happened. The last 20 years wouldn't have happened without you. Teresa, so thank you so much for that. Uh, that was that Hopefully was we'll I was part you. of it. Um, so thank you. Yes, I look forward to. Uh, hopefully, that uh, social distancing will allow a little bit of uh, uh, encounter in the public realm in July. Um, uh, I, I can't. I don't expect we'll be uh, all squashed into the town hall bar. But um, yeah, let's hope that there's there's some um, possibility of encounter. 
Thank you, David Teven, for that great trip down memory lane. I just want to remind you now that the podcast comes out every Thursday until the festival in July. And you can check out all details on the festival on the Junction Festival website, junctionfestival.com. Everything you need is right there. See you next Thursday. You're listening to the Clonmel Junction Arts Festival podcast, which takes place from the 3rd to the 11th of July. 